0: Off top, Inventors of Pringles is buried in a Pringles can. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. We are joined by a guest who, I don't know what he wants to be buried in, Kevin Clark, and of course, everybody's favorite lumber snack. He took off his plaid jacket, but he was a lumber snack earlier, Charlie Kravitz. So, um, Kevin, what do you want to be buried in?
1: Well, I probably, I don't know. Like, are you talking about like a themed type of casket? Nah, I man, think that's whatever. a little I, what are you, hokey. All right, so how about we? I want to be dig. I want to be buried in a dignified mausoleum. No, that no, great power and no, wealth.
0: no, no. Well, you, first you have to accrue some power and wealth. And I why think, do you think I'm here? <laughs> I think we should a cremate you and put you in a football, and they should play the Super Bowl. I don't know, Super Bowl one hundred in a football. Yeah. Super Bowl 100 put you in a football. There's a little bit of, little bit of Kevin dust
1: in a football for Super Bowl 100. There was a story recently, maybe a couple years ago, about all of the people who illicitly throw their loved ones' ashes all over Disney and how they basically have to have cops <laughs> <laughs> all over the place.
0: Yeah. Uh, our great country, or our great company, I guess, yeah. Disney. Yeah. Anyway, football happened. Um, someone's metaphorical ashes were sprinkled all over Orchard Park. R.I.P. to the offensive coordinating career of Ken Dorsey. After that game in uh, in Buffalo last night, they surprisingly made him the scapegoat, which didn't surprisingly. Quite-
2: yeah, I mean, it wasn't—hold on, you're going to act like you weren't— No, I know you were surprised because I told you it was fired and you were surprised. I, yeah, because you broke the news, but the whole, <laughs> we we had built out a doc of who's to blame from that, and the answer was Ken Dorsey. That's who We had set up the production for that, so— That was your answer, not my answer. Well, so I'll ask you guys, both of you uh, purported football experts. Dominique, now that's questionable. It's your hand on my um, box. Is, did they blame the right guy in Buffalo? Do, we, do they have the right fall guy? No. If he's the fall guy— <sighs> I mean, at least to
0: me, it suggests that there's something else going on that we don't know about because normally yes. you get a little bit more uh, lead way. Like if people don't get fired this quickly, like they were good on offense. like yeah. they, They've been good on offense this year. Like they weren't good offense last night, but they've been good on offense this year. The problem has not been the offense. The problem is if you want to fire somebody, the problem is that they haven't drafted well and they have continued to sign the old guys and try to continue to re-up in the team has gotten brittle and broken. Or you could blame Josh Allen's turnovers, which I don't blame those either. They they come with the package. That's what you get with Josh Allen. But it certainly didn't seem like Ken Dorsey was a problem unless they believed that someone can coach the turnovers out of Josh Allen. What do you think, Kevin?
1: Let's do a little logic quiz. Uh, they, they teach logic at University of Maryland?
0: <laughs> nah, nah, we're born with it.
1: If you played the dumbest football game of the season in primetime, and you were the dumbest team in the dumbest game in prime time. What does that make you pretty dumb team? And that starts with the head coach. It's not Ken Dorsey. And like you mentioned, like, first of all, Ken Dorsey did not put 12 guys on the field, right? Like there's a whole in college football, they say, win your clunkers, the bills basically won this game, as long as they don't make that colossal stupid decision. And the Broncos tried to do a quick change field goal it was ridiculous. They, they tried to give that game away multiple ways. So did the bills. Um, but there has to be something behind the scenes because the big schematic thing that everybody's calling for, I just saw Olovsky call for it on McAfee, is put Josh Allen under center and use a bunch of motion. Well, okay, if that's the the magic bullet, then just tell Ken Dorsey to do that. But my thinking is that to fire him this early after that kind of game, there's some communication breakdown, there's something wrong with the installation of the offense, or some just Josh Allen doesn't like him. I don't know. I There just literally has to be something because he runs bad plays is actually not a good enough excuse after a game like that. So to me, it's McDermott. To me, it's just the the fact that this team doesn't seem well-prepared every Sunday. And that um, if you, by the way, you're the one that made the decision to promote, Ken Dorsey from within. It's not like he was coming from outside the building. He's been the quarterback coach for a long time there. Everybody knows those guys from, uh, from like the, the whole kind of Carolina mafia that started in, in with the Panthers. Everybody knows Ken Dorsey and what kind of play caller he was going to be. This should not be a surprise. This should be on a roster that is not as good as it needs to be. It's old, expensive. There are big whiffs all over the place. There's yep. a first round pick from a couple of years ago. It was a healthy scratch a bunch of times. Um, and then a, a coach that doesn't have that roster maximized.
2: So, my question about that though because to me this didn't feel like as much of a knee-jerk reaction this was a team that had an incredibly explosive offense under brian dable two years ago and even though they have all of the epa numbers that suggest that this is still an elite offense they have not seemed nearly as explosive since ken dorsey has been the offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. and that peaked last night or monday night if you're listening to this on wednesday against the broncos a team that you know famously gave up 70 points to the dolphins and so if not ken dorsey then who, you're just blaming McDermott? Because it, it seems like the you changing yeah, variable. Yeah, I'm blaming
1: Sean McDermott. But, but the variable blaming Sean McDermott was... because they, make, they keep doing stupid things, yeah. and that's outside of play calling. Hmm. And and you don't have to blame anybody. <laughs> of course like, we do. <laughs>
0: like, at, at least not now. Like, I, right. I, the, to do this now suggests that you believe that Ken Dorsey was holding you back and that now going into a tougher portion of the schedule that all of a sudden things are going to get better. You're putting a lot of pressure on your offense. And the expectations, I think, are unfair. And maybe it's not about being fair. So yeah. whether Ken Dorsey deserved it or not, I think to some degree is irrelevant. Do you think that you that moving on from Ken Dorsey is going to make you good enough to win a Super Bowl? That's the only thing that I think matters right now. And maybe the argument is it could
2: and that could help him, but I don't see it oh, doing hold it. Hold on, hold on, hold well, on. Because I'm going to ask both of you this. You're you're on our last podcast. We're Mr. Locker Room Vibes guy, and you're talking about how the vibes have to change. We're going to talk about we we're not going to, but specifically we've talked over and over again about the radars, the new the Raiders, the new coach bump, them smoking cigars in the locker room. So you don't think there's any purpose, unless other than winning the Super Bowl, of improving the vibes by getting him out of there. I mean, I feel like I'm repeating
0: myself, so I'll let our guests answer this first, and then I'll come back to it.
1: I, I have a question. Having you've been in a locker room and sure. the thing I've heard from coaches, maybe it's just bad coaches is that the locker room is mostly player based unless it's like a real crap, right coach and guy who's making everybody's life miserable. The locker room is mostly player-led, is, isn't that correct? Yeah, the rock, locker room
0: is player-led, but I, I guess I assume that Charlie is not talking about literally the locker room. He just means like the okay. team vibe and the team yes. culture. And the point that I made over and over again on the show this last weekend, and I'm sure, Kevin, you listened to it uh, several times and took notes so you could learn about football, so mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you about it, but for the people who missed the show, was how important the, the feeling in the locker room is and coaches have decisions about, have decisions that can impact those things. So that's why Kevin and I, I think both started with saying there must be something else. Yeah. So if somebody is Look. going to put in front of me that Ken Dorsey was f- the vibes and he had to go, by all means. But you can't put the stats but- and performance in front of me and say that it's been Ken Dorsey's fault.
1: I don't know if a coordinator has that much impact on the vibes. And that's what I was kind of saying with the player-led thing, because I've always been led to believe, Dominique, and, and you saw it firsthand. The number one thing that impacts the locker room, generally, uh, like on a big picture scale, is money, contracts, and the path to get those two things, right? Like I've heard stories about like um, the Legion of Boom, where right. the roughest patches were because this guy got taken care of and this guy says, uh, where's my where's my long-term security? And then things devolve right. from there, Right. So like that's the number one concern just like any workplace by the way for for 99% of players um from there i think there's probably just like personal interactions like how do you how do you gel with certain guys all that stuff like are, do you have friends on the team what kind of community is it do these guys go out together all that stuff like how bad would an OC have to be for his play calls to actually hurt the culture of a team
0: so it may not be the play calls yeah. but it could be the relationship with the quarterback and there's nobody more important right. than a. but French... i think that's
1: separate i i think that's that that's just the, uh, that's quarterback management
0: no and i also think that there could be something in the, as a defensive player when you come to the sideline and you believe that it's because of the coordinator i think you could probably look at the steelers as a situation that that has the risk of being similar when you're like all right we got to stop and then if there's a turnover there, or there's a three and out and you attribute it to play calling, I think you're right. This is a long shot. It's rare that it's going to affect you that way, but I don't think that it's necessarily about a whole locker room thing as much as it's the relationship between the head coach and the coordinator, relationship between the quarterback and the coordinator, relationship between the number one receiver and the coordinator. All of these, right. these are relationships that are hugely important and that matter. And if you believe that one of those relationships or any connection of those relationships is severed in a way that's irreparable, then somebody got to go, and it's always going to be the coordinator.
1: I was going to say, here's my only thing about the the personal relationship between quarterback and coordinator, is I was there a couple of years ago, and Brandon being the GM had said to me, obviously— Yep. that um name drop number one I, well, Char- charlie said i was gonna drop josh allen's name and so i'm zagging here Ooh. and I'm, I'm i'm dropping bean before did he seem happy josh last Allen. time you talked to him josh yeah they had just beaten tampa bay mm. he was locked in he, he was... said my name a lot so it was probably taped on the top of his laptop it was kind of an old politician's trick um so but bean was happy last time i saw him because it was a while ago but he had said that he thought that one of the reasons he likes drafting skill guys and where that's obviously Don Kincaid or trading for first round pick for Stephon Diggs, he felt that most of Josh's mistakes were when he, in his head, said I need to put the team on my back and then forced it. And my thought process here is he's thrown an interception in, in six straight games, which is the yeah. longest streak by Bills quarterback since Ryan Fitzpatrick in twenty eleven. Stat me down. And my thought process is. There are people I think I've seen, smart people who are thinking that Josh Allen thinks he has to do everything in a scheme. And if that's happening and we're getting into bad habits, Josh Allen, then you cut the cord. But if that's, if that's scheme then sure. But if there's other reasons Josh Allen feels need to put the franchise on his back and make these crazy plays and throw these interceptions, then you address that. I don't know if they address the problem today. And that's yeah. my concern.
0: I, I agree. It's funny that Brandon Bean is like, we don't want Josh to put the team on his back when Brandon Bean is the reason why it feels yeah. like the roster. And it's possible that Josh just plays that way. And it's not about who mm. you set him up with. It's not about who you surround him with. It's not about the game that you call because yeah, You can shrug off a a blitzer and scramble rather than throw the ball away and throw into a tight window rather than do those things like that also feels like that's in Josh Allen's nature. And it's not only about the situation, but when you're, when you come into a season with an incredibly old defense and then all of your good defensive players get hurt, then it's hard for the quarterback not to walk into the game thinking,
2: damn, I'm going to have to put up numbers tonight. Well, and like it's, It is true. Brandon B never addressed the number two wide receiver. Yeah, they brought in Dalton Kincaid, who's most likely the real number two, but one of those picks on Monday, a drop by Gabe Davis. And that's just been an issue since we thought that Mm -hmm. Gabe Davis was going to to emerge after the 13 second game against Kansas City. And he never has. I guess what I would say is like they have a better pass blocking offensive line than they've ever had They're Mm -hmm. They've gotten constipated in the red zone. They aren't as explosive. And Josh Allen is making more mistakes, whether or not that's Luck or not, because he's 15th in turnover and in like interceptable balls and first and interceptions, it still happened. And I feel like the only person who would be accountable for that would be the offensive of coordinator, unless you're going to fire McDermott midseason, which seems rash when you're five and five. Yeah. I mean, they moved on from
0: Leslie Frazier.
2: Like, it just feels
0: like there's a lot more happening there than we're aware of. And they are making scapegoats out of people that I'm not sure yeah. that they should be I, I, th- blaming.
1: Firing your OC and DC in a 12 month period mm. is a red flag.
0: That's a, that's a that's like you're throwing people off because the ship is sinking and no one thought this ship yes. was in that. The ship was in that situation. <laughs> um, uh,
1: I'm gonna just quickly throw this out there. Joe Brady, are we sure he's good? <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody say he was? I mean, he had a lot of hype because he was the co-coordinator on the Joe Burrow LSU offense. Oh, so
2: it's nice when Joe Burrow's throwing to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Got it. <laughs> Got it. That seems to be helpful in a college game. Oh, yeah, I don't
0: know. I mean, I, we'll see how this all works out. But I think that the window is closing, if yeah. not already closed for them. It's something that we talked about um, before the season started, and it's come to fruition. And guess what? The Texans coming for your wild card spot. Y'all better tighten up.
1: I, I agree, but I also want to say, so I saw a lot of people last night being like, 13 seconds ruin this franchise. Uh, and the I the actually disagree. Nick disagreed. Wright
2: take? It melted his brain? Well, That's... I I saw
1: like 10, 10 people say it last night. Like, they never got over 13 seconds. And I, I, I do think there's some kind of psychic uh, hangover that, that happens when you have an event like that. Yeah, but you I also know about it. Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson. <laughs> but like, I, I also think it's just really hard to win a Super Bowl. And like windows actually last, unless you have Patrick Mahomes, they will last like three years. And so sometimes you just never get back by coincidence. Mm. Yeah. The
0: way the 13 seconds plays into it, it was probably one of their best shots to win a championship to me. Like, right. I, I don't think Right, that, but you don't
1: get that many shots. Yeah,
0: I know. I don't think that 13 seconds broke their brain. I think that they kept doubling down on their roster because they're like, we're gonna get yeah. it one of these days, which is a reasonable thing. So I can't criticize Brandon Bean for those decisions because I don't wanna let talent walk out the door either. However, if you want to have a prolonged run, you're gonna to have to let some talent walk out the door and draft some good players. That's yes, a-
1: and but then the well the, the other the other thing is they were drafting to address. They were always kind of fighting the last war. Right. They were always drafting to beat the Chiefs, and it's like, well, if you're drafting to beat the Chiefs, guess who's coming? The Bengals, and you didn't draft to beat them. So mm-hmm. good luck, buddy.
0: Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
3: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and gold! That's uh, that
2: brings us as a nice tidy transition to the Bengals, who are playing on Thursday hey! night. Well done, uh, who are playing on Thursday night against the Ravens. Um, the Ravens have led for all but 28 minutes this season. They probably should yeah. be should be 10 and 0, but they're seven and three. The Bengals are a very bizarre record team as well because of the way Burrow started the season. These are both not trustworthy good teams, but I have to ask you both: Who do you trust more on Thursday night, the Ravens or Bengals? I mean, I think
0: it's obviously the Ravens uh, as as confusing. Obviously, yeah, I think it's obvious. I mean, if we're basing it off of what we've seen so far this year, and I guess we could go back to last year and we could bring into it the Bengals' nine-game winning streak that included a playoff game and uh, just Joe Burrow's general excellence and Lamar's prone injury-proneness. But if we're looking mm-hmm. at the this season. What the Ravens have been able to do in a game against the the um, Bengals, also, it's like it feels like to me the hard part. Like they they completed every portion of the meal except for three times when they really messed up the dessert. Which like I get it, it's a big part. The end really matters. It's the thing that lasts. I know they say that about movies. It's like no matter how the movie is, if the ending's great, people will walk away thinking the movie was great. Well, the Ravens do the opposite. At least three times. Who a says season.
1: that about movies? Lots of people
0: say that about movies. People,
1: critics. Give me one example of a movie where the ending was so amazing it made the movie good. All
0: right. Give me some time to Google that because I don't just have an encyclopedia, encyclopedia. I just don't believe
1: it. I would just turn, especially in the streaming era, I would just turn it off and be like, this is not Well, gonna, this is I'm not. Like, That's I'm, what Sean McDermott did.
0: I'm an old man, so I'm not. <laughs> from the streaming era i mean any any movie yeah. that had a big twist in it so like if you ever saw six cents like it's like hey this movie's what? okay boom great movie you've seen identity this movie's okay boom awesome twist at the end the twist matters right
2: no disagree
1: I, I I thought The Sixth Sense was good start to finish. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that Shyamalan that's, was in his bag. That's
2: what popped up in my head as well, but I was like, oh, it's actually a good movie the whole time. Uh, really
1: usual, gripping. Usual Suspects, boom. Usual Suspects. But bo- again, boring f- movie. Movies boring finish.
0: boring f- f- movie until he straightened out that limp. And it was incredible then because it had brought it all together. If Okay, if the movie ends the way that it looked like it was going to end, you walk away yeah. from Usual Suspects like, meh, forgettable. Eh, Ravens blew another game, but what happened was, Lamar Jackson,
2: went off, yeah. and straightened out that limp, and then we're good. Well, should we talk about speaking of this? Should we talk about Lamar's other fourth, movies? No, his yes. fourth his fourth quarter foibles, because the he's he's game. I, was, of, he, I have
1: a stat. He's Game of Thrones.
2: Oh, so do I. But you can stat first. But he's basically Game of Thrones right now. Wait, 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 oh, no. wait, wait, wait,
0: wait! Let me judge who's got the better stat. All right having a stat off everyone <laughs> kevin clark since you're the guest you can go first set me down sir all
1: right i have two but because we're doing lamar jackson uh basically the same since the beginning of last season the same numbers quarters one through three mm-hmm. as fourth quarter and overtime except interceptions we have the same stat charlie kravitz
2: yes well i have fourth quarter turnovers which is interceptions yeah. and well, fumbles this is interceptions yeah. i'm Ooh.
1: not I, fumbles are, are luck um 490 attempts and six interceptions, quarters one through three. In the clutch, this is via Jonas Schaefer, great Ravens beat writer. Five picks, on 101 attempts. That is a 5% interception percentage, which is not good for anybody. So is he pressing? Is it the way the defenses are, are playing him in the fourth quarter? I don't know. But the numbers are astounding when you consider – that the Ravens have lost seven games in the last two regular seasons, and in five of those seven, they had a ninety percent chance to win in the fourth quarter. And so that this, is astounding.
2: This guy is the current MVP favorite. And just to add on to the back of that stats, hold on, it, you don't get to add on. It what was do you a, mean this is? A, it, it was a stat off. You don't add on. You mind mine, mind he, he conceded the no, no, pun. No, no, Seated, no, 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 conceded no, no, conceded no, no. I'm Zuckerberging here right now. Where I'm like, <laughs> I'm taking your silly stat and I'm <laughs> changing it so significantly that it's unrecognizable. You.
1: You f- if you could have if you could have won the stat off you would have won the stat That's off right. is what he's trying to tell me.
2: Okay. So he's had one turnover for every 23 fourth quarter plays according to True Media. The only Justin Fields and Davis Webb have a worse fourth quarter turnover rate than but
1: that. How is that different than what I just said? Oh, Five you did you reference whoa. Davis
2: Webb?
1: Yeah,
0: the context matters. Did you reference the Davis co- Webb? In the first I said, I
1: said it was bad for anybody—a group that includes Davis Webb—in
2: the first official stat off. Do you do do you know Davis Webb? Do you have any personal anecdotes about him? I have no, to but say, I, I, isn't
1: he isn't he a coach
2: now? Yes, he's now Russell Wilson's quarterback coach. He's trying to fix Russell Wilson. I will have to
1: say, good stuff.
2: First official stat off, I give.
0: To Charlie Kravitz, congratulations on the first official standoff win. Eat it, Winklevoss. <laughs> also, movies saved by the ending. Seven, Usual Suspects, um, Avengers Endgame, Rogue One, Looper, a lot of them, Mission Impossible, what are you
1: Avengers Endgame? There were like 100 movies leading up to that. Rambo. Red
2: two. Transformers. Dark of the Moon. I actually just looked. He's on IMDb. He's just reading, dark
0: He's just darks, a, reading dark a list either. of movies. It's no, it's a list of movies saved by the ending. Boom. It's a thing. What, People what, know it. What, what the
1: hell happened? Dominic Foxworth, what the hell happened at the end of Transformers that saved the movie? I would love to see that all these people were in 2008 were watching hey. a transformers movie and then they were like ah this was okay but this ending just slaps <laughs>
2: quality transformer noise i just made right there so before we move on should we talk about the Bengals part about about this a little bit because yeah. sure. that like they lost to cj stroud over the weekend and we thought this team was rolling out of the bye do you trust them so, do you kevin do you trust them less after that game or do you feel like that is just something yeah. that happens you play a good team like the texans
1: the worrying thing to me is that Joe Burrow looks back. Yeah. Like, he looks like the version we wanted to see. He's working with Trent and Irwin. Their receivers are doing the dirty work. They're finding the hard passes and the easy passes and varying those two concepts. So when I saw those first couple long throws, I was like, all right, well, Joe Burrow's back, nothing to worry about. And then they just completely crapped the bed. Can I curse in this show? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they completely <gasps> the bed. And <gasps> Yeah, and uh, oh, it's what they did. It's what they did at home <laughs> against a team that is on the ascent, but the Bengals should be better. The Bengals should be better than a pesky wildcard team with mm-hmm. a really good rookie quarterback. That's where they should be in their life cycle. And to see that, and I thought they were getting hot right now, and we know what happens when the Bengals get hot. This is not This is not the part of the script here.
0: I will say that uh, we afford all teams some like grace. We accept that. Yes. Plenty of teams will have a bad game here or a bad game there. The problem with doing that for the Bengals is they already had a stretch of them. And if we're going to say they were just because Joe Burrow was hurt, that's fine. And this is just when they start to lock in and get good, then they have another bad one, one that they could have won also in the course of the game. They weren't terrible in this game. They just couldn't put it away against a team that we think is not on their level. So I could be wrong. Maybe the team that I need to trust is the Bengals. But what the Ravens have done so far this season, despite the weird fourth quarters, like I th- They seem like a better team with a a first place defense and an offense that is really great for three quarters.
1: Let me ask you a question because we're giving a lot of grace to the Bengals. I am certainly giving a lot of grace to the Bengals because of the calf injury and all that stuff. We're not giving that grace to the Bills. I know it's always kind of a moving target, but like, how does a team earn your trust and keep it, Dominique?
0: It's gut. It's in the gut. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think it's it's when you watch the games, it's a feeling that you have about it, but it's consistently making. First of all, it's winning. That's winning. That's well, yeah. You know, to me, it's and like
1: I... me having counted them out five a team, five franchise, five times, and then they did every every single time, or at least four out of the five yeah. times, they they come back and make me look like an idiot, making me look like an idiot, which the Bengals have done a handful of times. How you earn your trust? Has, is is how you earn my trust? Because I then I get scared. The Bills have not done that necessarily in, that's not in trust a number of years.
2: That's also Joe Burrow yeah. said, Joe, Joe. Burrow said it right. Our window is, long as, is as long yes. as I'm here. And that's true. And, like, obviously, we should note the context of that game that Jamar Chase was 50-50 to play. And even though he balled out, he was certainly not 100%. And T. Higgins did not play in that game. And that Joe Burrow has been able to mask some of the offensive line issues. Um, yeah. But that is more difficult when you don't have your star wide receiver. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think it's – I would – to, to... – be clear on my answer. I think it's about consistency, and I think it's about understanding the shortcomings. And the Bills have not been consistent. And what we understand about their shortcomings is there's nothing they can do to fix them. So I think the uh, Bengals have shown us some stretch of consistent c- competitiveness in the things that they struggle with. It's normally connected to how Joe Burrow is feeling. And it's something that can be addressed and seems to bounce back all the time. And I think the same thing could be said for the Ravens, despite their fourth quarter issues. They've been consistent for the last several seasons. And, again, the things that they struggle with is, like, is Lamar going to be healthy at the end of the year? If he's healthy at the end of the year, I feel like they're a contender. And, I mean, the Bills, it's probably not fair. They've been competitive. But over this last stretch and in those big moments, they have not been consistent which I guess then you would say the Ravens haven't in those.
2: Well, so it's a, they, the, the Bengals have been inconsistent when they've been banged up. Yeah. Which I guess you could say for the Ravens as well.
0: Yeah, which is true. And, I, I mean, for the, for the Bills, it's like we have this situation, which is all built around this quarterback who himself is going to be great but also inconsistent. And then there are big holes that there's no answer for. Like there's big holes on their defense and big holes in the skill position on offense that they just don't have an answer for.
2: So the question I'd ask you guys really quickly before we move on to our last topic, um, why can't the Ravens hold on to a lead? Wasn't the whole thing built for them to be able to run out the clock and have that kind of a defense?
0: It's the most mind-blowing thing that they're the best pass rushing team in football and uh, been the best running team, offensive running rushing team in football for the past, I don't know, since Lamar signed five, four, five years. And for whatever reason, at the end of games, they have a hard time with it. Uh, I guess you can point to the turnovers. That's a big one. I know uh, this – I didn't want to enter this into the stat off, but they are, I think, 24th in fourth quarter scoring defense this year while they've been first in scoring defense for the rest of the game. Uh Those are issues that we cannot account for. But the tough thing about it is, like I mentioned before, you want to be able to point to something and say, this is the problem for them. It's really hard to be able to say, this is the one thing they have to address, particularly when they have a coach who we think is really good. It's proven to be really good.
1: But can you say about anybody like my issue with Josh Allen is the, the secret sauce might just be like telling Josh Allen to relax. (laughs)
0: That's fair. Like but, that's like. My however, my thing is,
1: has any you think
0: no one's ever told Josh Allen to relax?
1: I don't. Maybe Kendirsi wouldn't do it. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs>
0: Somebody's got to tell him, hey, Josh. I mean, we've heard Josh after games talk about how he knows what he needs to do, and he talks about himself like he's not him, like he's not the one making the tough decisions. So I think Josh. We just have to accept, and Josh has to accept himself for who he is. Look in the mirror and love who you are. You're a, a wild card sometimes. It's fine because it pays off more times than it doesn't. And I think your line of questions is a good one because it like challenges me to get away from just like how I feel and really address what's actually happening on the field. And I don't know that I have a perfect answer for how you know which teams to trust. Like if is Patrick Mahomes on your team,
2: yeah, I trust you. The end. Period. Can I give you a stat? Oh, you got one to compete. Uh, from 2008 to 2021, when Harbaugh became the head coach, the Ravens were 79 and 0 when leading by 14 points in the second half, which is obviously the best in the NFL. Since 2021, they lead the league in blown leads of more than seven points. Quality stat.
0: Blame Harbaugh. It's a bad month for the Harbaughs out here. I was cheating. gonna say
1: maybe they. they there's a a, a freshly unemployed guy who vacuum sales vacuum cleaner salesman in Ann Arbor is looking for work who could help them out i yeah, just gotta um
0: crack the the radio signal so you can hear what they're telling the quarterback in his ear
1: wow you couldn't really do that you would go to jail basically now if you if you just started hacking the other team in the nfl so can't do it all right kevin clark
0: you're the man thank you for joining us you got things to Thanks, do guys all right it's been Dominique Foxworth Show thank you to my man Kevin Clark for joining us and also Charlie Kravitz for sitting next to me um, Metal Arc for letting us borrow the studio and of course the great producers Megan Serafina Kevin Bryan and shout out Tez this is the Dominique Foxworth Show